0: Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. In this episode, I'm talking to Agri's Amy Watkins, Sustainability Project Manager, Mark Jews, Sustainable Farming Lead, and farmer Rod Smith, who farms Beale Farm up there in Northumberland. Today, we're going to focus on farm productivity and resilience, and how that can be achieved by improving soil health and Agri's Green Horizons initiative. So Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good
1: morning, Tony.
0: Good morning. So let's start off, you know, Amy, with you, the Green Horizons Initiative. What are the key elements of that?
1: So in within our Green Horizons Initiative, we've obviously got five key elements from improving soil resilience to enhancing the environment, increasing farm productivity and viability, Focusing on integrated pest management and also um, talking about trying to extend this out to other stakeholders within the industry as well. Um, these are all kind of the main key elements that we see in terms of achieving sustainable food production. Um, and today, really, what we're going to be discussing, as we have with on future podcasts, is around soil health and soil resilience. But focusing more today on the productivity side and how, by improving your soil resilience, this can lead to productivity and viability gains as well on farm.
0: That's very well put. And it's it's clearly really important at this moment in farming where we actually maybe need to put some of the uh, the talk into actually walking that talk, don't we? And, and, and helping farmers turn that into, as you said, that real productivity. So, Mark, when we're talking about soil health, what are we actually talking about? What are we trying to achieve?
2: Really, uh, soil health could be summarised between uh, organic matter and biological activity. So those are two sort of key elements um, that, we're, that we're trying to build upon and build that resilience, that resilience to cope with some more extreme weather events that we've all been experiencing over recent years. Um, and it goes alongside lots of other things like soil structure and drainage and water management. But if we were to boil it down to the things that we can measure, then, uh, then those are the two, organic matter and, and biological activity. And I think that's uh, what Rod has been Developing uh, on his farm, and and I think we'll come on to talk about the way in which that has um, facilitated the kind of productivity gains that he's seen. He's seen up there in Northumberland.
0: Yeah, and, and thank you for that superb link there, Mark, because indeed we do need to hear from Rod, who's uh, farming in Northumberland, and and we must actually say at this point, you know, Rod is a celebrity here from the point of view that he is Northern Hemisphere. Guinness World Champion for yield. Rod, tell us more. Is that right?
3: It is. Yes. um In 2015, we got 16.52 tons a hectare uh, of Dickens.
0: So yeah, and, and and just let's stay with that for a second. What, what what do you think was the key recipe to achieving such an amazing yield? It was
3: actually the soil. It was interesting what we learned there. It was a failed bean crop, uh, and because there wasn't a huge plant population, but beans really ripped up the soil uh, and left it in a very friable sort of state and that got me quite interested and that was way back in 2015. So we've been experimenting ever since we learned a lot from that year what to do where we went wrong and now we're starting down the journey of where we are today no doubt we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah yeah fantastic and uh, you know I mean it, it is great to celebrate that fantastic productivity but understanding why is is, is- is the key, isn't it, uh, to be able to replicate that again? And from what you were saying just now, your 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 challenge, your aim now is to is to get that global world record back from New Zealand. Is that right? Correct. Well, we learned an awful lot about that, as I said. And if we can actually emulate where the highest
3: yield in areas, I um, we, we, we were the adjudicators sitting in the combine. We we were achieving twenty two tons a hectare over a two and a half hectare block. So that gives us an indication of what the potential. So I realise we're not going to get that over the whole farm, but we were let down quite badly and only got sixteen point five two out of that field.
0: So we know there's more to come. Fantastic, and, and it's great. You know what? a challenge to uh, t- t- to be to be facing and and trying to uh, t- t- to win. Um, so you talked about the soil, uh, and Mark was talking there about uh, soil health. Um, what have you, what have you, what have you been doing differently to improve your soil health?
3: There's been various um, paths that have gone down, but the introduction of compost, which is basically as FYM, farmyard manure, put into windrows. Uh, we put um, whether we put some henmuck in, we might just put gypsum in. And gypsum is basically like a stabilizer to try and keep it relatively dry, try and keep the nutrients within the pile of compost. There's a windrow machine that goes through it. So you create this really lovely mixture. Um, and the, the, the temperature will get up to sort of 55, 60 degrees. So it's killing all the weed seeds. So we go through this process every two to three weeks. We'll go through three times in total. And that compost is then ready to apply. Uh, and it uh, applies very
0: evenly across the field. And that's the key, applying it evenly. Th- this compost, is this... And exercise, is it, is it accessible for other farmers? I mean, is it something else that could be replicated elsewhere?
3: Of course, it can. Um, there's a lot of farmers that have there are mainly big arable units, but there's an awful lot of livestock farmers. And obviously, this collaboration, these guys have the highs and the lows of the straw price going up and down over a hundred pound a ton that comes down. If if there's more collaboration between farmers swapping straw for muck and but put it into a windrow. Then we're actually, I've had the Environment Agency and Natural England on site to have a look at what we're doing. And they're behind us, actually. Um, and that takes us on to the cover crops. But realising that there's an awful lot more to it by putting compost on prior to a spring barley crop. We're making a 30% reduction in fertiliser.
0: So we're looking now to see if we can make any more reductions on the wheat crops as well. Yeah. Uh, And so you're not just talking about, okay, I've got some compost, we chuck it on the land. You're properly managing the value of retaining those nutrients, optimising the nutrients that are in that compost. And as you say, applying evenly. So you're you're looking at that material with a a very serious intent of how you can get the best from it, aren't you? Totally. And
3: and we're still we're still learning. You know, it's not one size fits all. Uh, And this is where sharing the information is quite with the audience is obviously a good idea.
0: Now, and just while we're talking about your farm, you also mentioned the cover crops. So, and we'll come back to Mark and Amy in a minute. But just in terms of what, what cover crops are you growing and how are you using them?
3: Well, again, we've mixed, mixed with different cover crops and we are still trialing away. These are all trials. We're, we've been using tillage radish, oil radish and phacelia. And we've found that the, the deep tap roots of the, the, the radishes work quite well and trying to alleviate any compaction. Because we're trying to minimise how much we touch the soil. I still think there's a, there's an area of mixing that soil just a little bit, a couple of inches with whatever compost or green matter or green manures, which we have. Once we have the desiccation of these cover crops, it sort of works in quite nicely. We've never seen such even spring barley crops. Um, and, you know, to, to put it in a nutshell, the last thing we want, we've moved away from the plough, um, not entirely because it is a reset button. However, Moving away from the plough has allowed that soil to capture all the nutrients that are within that soil. And what we're doing is adding compost to get the P and K levels as well as everything else in the periodic table. I haven't applied any P and K for the last five six years.
0: So, so Mark, from your point of view, what is actually changing in the soil profile? What 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 is the benefit of what Rod is doing on his farm?
2: So that that uh, those soil amendments are really helping to drive the. The functionality of the soil, the soil biology, the nutrient cycling, the uh, kind of functional organic matter build up as well. Uh, and, 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 you know, Rod talks about the species that have worked for him on his particular farm and his particular system, but I think that's uh, uh, important to kind of consider each individual uh, circumstances on, on their own and, and to look at what the best mix of cover crop species are and how to integrate them into your, into your production system. So in Rod's case, it's a uh, radish and cilia based uh, uh, overwinter cover crop going into a into a spring crop. But w- we could look at lots of different things. We could look at uh, legumes building up nitrogen and fixing fixing nitrogen, the summer cover crops, companion crops with all seed rape, and all of that diversity can help to support a more diverse ecosystem of biology in the soil, all of which drive in the uh, kind of resilience of the soil and the ability of it to store uh, nutrients, recycle nutrients, and to manage water as well.
0: Yeah, and and Amy, coming back to Agri's Green Horizons, which is uh, an initiative there to help us move in this direction, you know, it really is ticking some of those boxes in terms of improving soil resilience, you know, Using integrated farm solutions there to help us achieve that, and and as Rod has started to hint at, and I want to come back to it in a minute, but also improving farm profitability and, and viability, it's it's ticking some of those boxes, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, a, a big part of this is, um, you know, trying to reduce your reliance on on inputs and 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 what you're doing to the soil, trying to reduce the intensity of the, your cultivations and everything else that that goes with it, and. Um, Rod's a classic example of, of trying to do that by using things like organic amendments to improve soil health, improve soil resilience, and therefore over time, reducing his reliance on cultivations and therefore helping with your costs and also your time involved in, in producing that crop.
0: Yeah. Uh, Rod, interestingly, um, you know, Mark was just talking about soil resilience and we've hinted at, you know, helping farmers have a more resilient soil with regards to water and availability for crops, particularly doing these very, very unpredictable weather windows, uh, have you seen the improvements in your soil help you with that, that that resilience, that helping the crop in terms of evenness of yield and uh, a, a sort of uh, a more even pattern of, of productivity?
3: Very much so um, and in a relatively short space of time. I inherited this uh, the, the workforce and the farming uh, methods from my father. It was very much a plough-based power harrow, and it was a case when fuel and labour was extremely cheap back then. Um, so therefore, it was another pass, make it as fine as possible. But on the wet years, we found that the soil smelt. It was sour. It had an awful smell about it. So we, it, heavy land it does require aeration, in whatever form. Now, if you can do that with steel, that's fair enough. If you have to, but that's expensive. If you can use cover cups as an introduction, then that starts to make a little bit more sense. So with the heavy soil with high clay content, what we have, we decided to go down a slightly different route, alleviate the compaction, and then try and keep the compaction on the top, run low profile tires, run tracks on some of the machines, And that's starting to make a difference. We're seeing a lot more worm activity. The soil smells better. Um, So yes, we're increasing the soil organic matter, soil health, biodiversity is obviously uh, what Mark said is the use of cover crops. And we are seeing that with the thunder plumps of water and rainfall that we're getting every now and again, we're seeing far better water uh, infiltration. So something's starting to work
0: so we feel we're going down the right path. Uh, and as you have said, Rod, uh, many farmers are also commenting that they can also notice the difference of how the land feels.
3: Yeah, I've, I've got two, two. Sorry, I've got two agronomists, and they're both saying the same that uh, when they're doing the farm walks, they're finding it far easier in the autumn and uh, early spring walking across the land. They're, they're saying it's in far better nick than they used to walk across. So something's clearly working.
0: Yeah, superb. It's great to hear. Um, Could you share with us now, you know, some of the productivity, some of the financial benefits that you're seeing as a result of all this hard work?
3: Well, we're we're very fortunate just now that we have stewardship schemes which are available and open to farmers. uh, And I would encourage farmers to embrace them because cover crops are paid just over £100 a hectare, followed by a low input spring barley um and that's another 100 pounds a hectare so i've got over 200 pounds a hectare head start before anybody else unless they're in the same sort of schemes it gives you the chance to then which we've been doing is putting compost on so we've had to reduce our fertilizer or followed because it's a low input spring barley uh, by 30 percent but we're still probably going to get the yields now we're trialing this out when we're doing different things we do trials for a, a local seed merchant so this is starting to have quite a major effect. If I can maintain yield and applying less, in other words, become more efficient, we're using liquid safe on the liquid fertilizer, so it's almost like an inhibitor. So we're trying to get more efficiency about what we're applying, and all this is bottom line. Probably speaking to the wrong person regarding as much cost because I'm quite happy to spend that
0: little bit more, keeping the crops clean. It's almost like an insurance. Thanks, Rod. And some really interesting thoughts there on productivity on farm. Um, Coming to you now, Mark, you know, you've mentioned impact per tonne of production before. What does that mean?
2: So, yeah, uh, sustainability or sustainable farming, in my definition, is about minimising the unintended negative impacts of the essential work of producing food. And the way uh, I like to consider that is, is in terms of the impact per tonne of production. And clearly where the, where the productivity is greater, you know, the yields are higher then we can spread that kind of impact over a, over a, a bigger number of tonnes. Um, and with Rudd's system there, he's both reducing his inputs and maintaining or, or potentially increasing yields in some places, obviously in his world record uh, uh, attempts, at increasing yields. And thereby reducing the overall impact per tonne of production. I mean, I think one thing that we do have to consider is the is the actual thing that we're producing. You know, the, the type of food we produce. Uh, a, a milling wheat may may have a a, a bigger uh, kind of dietary benefit than a than a feed wheat or a feed barley or whatever. But but given that that complexity that we can't always address, then if for any given uh, Kind of set of produce commodity. Then, then by reducing the impact of the thing that we're growing, uh, then we can we can reduce the overall impact on the environment and on on climate change. So, in Rod's example, they're reducing his fertilizer use by thirty percent. We all know that fertilizer or nitrogen fertilizer is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions from arable production, um, and and that is the area where we will have to make the biggest gains if we are ever to get near to this net, net zero challenge that we have. And I'm sure you've talked about that on previous podcasts.
0: Right, right. So it's not just what's happening in terms of the benefits on that farm, but it's, as we can see from the Green Horizons initiative, it's, it's that broader benefit of the direction that we're travelling in, isn't it? Um, Amy, a question for you. You know, can what Rod's doing on his farm be applied to other farms across the UK?
1: I think taking into account both what Mark and Rod have said, I mean, every farm's different. What's going to work on every farm will vary. Um, obviously Rod's based up in the north compared to somebody further down south, it might be very, very different. Um, but as as Rod's alluded to, that whole collaboration point is is quite important in terms of achieving some of these goals. And I think it is it is on the rise. I think more more collaboration things like this are happening and, and are vital in terms of working towards sustainability closing that whole loop of um, nutrient cycling and circular economy so i think it is a it is a way we can all start moving towards it but in our own different ways it's going to vary depending on where you are in the country depending on your circumstances and what's available to you basically
0: thanks amy and so bringing this podcast together what top tips can you all offer listeners who are listening in today
3: Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, with farmers, I think you've got to be prepared to adapt. Adapt your farms to the changing and challenging times ahead, especially when it's involved in climate uh, and the high volatility of prices. Um, If you're fortunate to have storage, then that's great. You know, buy when the price is right. Um, But yes,
0: basically adapt your farms to these changing times. A great top tip. Mark, uh, what's your top tip of the day?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick up that adaptability theme as well and say that uh, we should try to adapt all these different techniques that we, we all talk about and apply them to our own farms. So uh, look at where, the way we can apply them to our own farms, our own soil types and our own systems to leverage the greatest benefits that we, we can in our own situations.
0: Uh, and Amy, from your point of view, how would you sum up today's podcast? What, what, what would be your takeaway message?
1: I think I'd look at the overarching term of sustainability, as we've discussed, we've talked a lot about the environmental side of things from enhancing the environment and soil resilience, but for people not to forget about the economic side of things, Um, obviously to be sustainable, you both have to be, you have to be in business most importantly, so it's about balancing that economic and environmental side of sustainability.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you all of you, uh, Rod, Mark and Amy, for today's podcast. Uh, Absolutely fascinating podcast and a real farm practical experience uh, on show there, clearly demonstrating that by looking after soil health, we also look after farm resilience and sustainability. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.